We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Roots Podcast. This is episode 177 of the pod. Matt Rooney, Joe Musso, here to bring you all the smooth stylings of Chicago Bears football and beyond. Matt, uh, before we dive into another, what is it, Wednesday? Victory Wednesday? Today's Victory they're all, Wednesday. They're all, they're all victory days uh, when, you, recently, when you stack yeah. them up like the Bears do at 5-1. and one. How are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm doing a lot better than if the Bears would have lost that game. Like that's, that's about all I got for it. I'm doing pretty well. Okay, um, your your Bears barometer is right on point, but uh, you do have some issues with the Blackhawks franchise. Oh, we'll, that we we'll get to that one. That's why to. I wanted to. That's why we didn't record on Tuesday because the all, all week they were, you were teasing a for a little fuel to the fire. Yeah, they were, they were teasing a big a big announcement Sunday. It started to leak out, and then you know the closer it came to this, the more it seemed like it was just going to be some sort of fodder that didn't really say anything. And I think that's what it ended up being. Um, but we'll, we'll get into that later in buy or sell. Cause I want to ask you something about it actually. What's that? We'll go, we'll, no, we'll oh, get to it. And that's a buy or sell. That's what we call a gotcha. tease in the business. Gotcha. I don't Love know that. if you're in the business, but that's what we call it. Uh, well, there's no teasing. The Chicago bears were diving right in to another. That's a victory. good one. That's a, that's a uh, good segue. This time the victory uh, comes in. I, I think this was of the, uh, of the six weeks of Chicago Bears football, this was the least stressful, even though it was a tight ball game in the second half. Um, it, it it did feel like this team had a grasp on the situation, had a grasp on their opponent in the Carolina Panthers. Um, end of the day, they finish with at least one more point than the other team, which I'm told is a good thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Matt, I have an issue uh, not with the play calling, not with the quarterback play, not with uh, the fans' expectations of whatever. Mm-hmm. My issue this week is the lazy journalistic effort by everyone doing the Bears are the worst 5-1 and one team in NFL history uh, column. It, it, it's lazy and it's baseless because what, what people are failing to realize here is that this is Chicago Bears football, and Chicago Bears football since – we, they were the Decatur Staley's has been defense first football. People are forgetting that this is a franchise predicated on defense first. The all time leading quarterback in most statistical categories is a guy that we ran out of town because no one liked. Uh, um, I liked him. If that, if that, I know I love him. <laughs> I love you know, him. I still you know, love him. You know, this is a I still podcast. give him a chance right now if we wanted it. But that is, I, I say that to outline the fact that it's never been an offensive football team. It will continue to be a defense-first football team looking at the makeup of this team and the decisions that have been made at the quarterback position. If you don't have a top-tier quarterback, you better be a defense-first football team. So save your worst 5 and one team columns because this is the identity of the Chicago Bears and they're winning with their identity. They've made it to Super Bowls in the past off mm-hmm. of their identity. They've made it to a Super Bowl off a defense and a punt returner. They made it to a Super Bowl in 1985 off a defense and a running back. You don't have to have the quarterback in Chicago to be successful, nor do I believe you have to have the quarterback in today's NFL. I think you have to have the defense to combat the quarterback. Because if you're going to tell me, oh, you got to be Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs to win a Super Bowl, I'd say, well, if I can't be Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, which no one can, I better, be, I better be the team 
most equipped to stop Pat Mahomes in the Kansas City offense. And I believe that the Chicago Bears right now are when you look at their coverage ratings, when you look at their pressure numbers, when you look at the fact that they've given up the least passing touchdowns of any team in the NFL. These are the things that columnists and shock jocks are failing to look at. And it shows just how lazy a lot of voices are that just uh, want to jump on the bandwagon and say, oh, the Bears are 5-1, and one, but look how bad they are. Agree. Not that bad. I mean, you, I don't know if you saw Nick Foles post game press conference after, but he kind of rambly, he but kind I loved of, it. He was a little rambly, but the, the, I thought the beginning was great, and then he kind of you, know, you lose yourself, and then kind of find yeah, yourself. He got but into the he, moment. He went, he went off a little bit, and I appreciate it. And hey, when you were call, when we were calling this team the worst, what was it three three and zero, oh, one and three and one team, whatever that. It's been every I, week. I got. I understood that because the team we saw. You know, beat the Giants, beat the Lions, beat the Falcons. That was a team with a lot of holes that wasn't really playing all that well, and defense appeared to be going through the motions. The last two two games they've won, they beat a Buccaneers team. Granted, it was on a Thursday night, which is always weird, but they beat a Buccaneers yeah, team I'm in, sorry, essentially on a neutral Tom, side. Tom Brady, Tom Brady, nine and zero on Thursday nights, so Fair it enough. wasn't like they were going they, up against a guy who doesn't know how to get ready for a Thursday night game. They they beat a Tampa Bay team that literally just went off the. Blew the Green Bay Packers, everyone's best team in the NFL, out of the building last weekend. They, they beat that team. They beat a Carolina Panthers team that, granted, doesn't have Christian McCaffrey, but without Christian McCaffrey, they were 3-0 and and looks like a team that might not make the playoffs, but a team that's going to be in that little in-the-hunt graphic most of the way that, by all means, is a pretty solid football team from what I watch. team that's not laying down, a team that's going to continue to get better, <gasps> excuse me, under Matt Rule. No, you know? and you also this week had a... Essentially, new offensive line because you're playing your first game without your offensive line. It might be addressed that later. The Bears might need to go pick somebody up. But the, that offense hasn't hit where they need to be yet. And I'm not saying they're going to get much better, but I still think there is some room to grow there. I think they are going to get better because I think Nick Foles is only going to get more and more comfortable and more and more control. And the bigger thing is, like you talked about the Bears' defenses of the past that have carried their team to Super Bowls. Where, I mean, two years ago, we had a defense. And then Mitch was better in 18 than he has been in any year of his career. But you had a Mitch Trubisky-led team go 12-4 and four because they had a dominant defense. And we've started to okay. see flashes of that defense, I feel like, so, the last two weeks more than we have the years before. And if so the defense is playing up, like that. That brings up a good point here, Matt. I, okay. I like what you did there with Mitch two years ago. Mm-hmm. Mitch two years ago versus what we've seen thus far out of Nick Foles. Is it that different? Uh, no, I think it's pretty similar. I think you'll – I, I Obviously, the styles of quarterback are similar, but I think you have a little bit similar of an offense with equal ceilings. I don't think we've we've seen the Bears' offense now get to where that offense was at times, but I do think this is a very similar offense to that, yeah. Um, and from a defensive standpoint, if you want to draw parallels, uh, that was the defense that took away the ball the most in the NFL yeah. that year. This defense did get a slow start in that department, but they are now now starting to take away the ball. Now the the referees are going to take away a few of those takeaways. Uh, That Eddie Eddie Jackson touchdown, it was infuriating. But um, I think what was infuriating about it is because we saw two plays earlier, whatever, one drive earlier, Allen Robinson get, you know, rammed into right like a good second before the ball got to him and they didn't call anything. Um, but uh, beyond the referees, beyond uh, the shortcomings of the Chicago Bears, they are five and one. And I, I know it's easy to lean on the record when you're not necessarily seeing the you know top tier offensive effort out of your team. 
but that's exactly what they are. And mm-hmm. Scott Pioli says it over and over and over. Anytime I ask him about any team, a longtime executive for the Patriots, now with us at CBS, uh, you can learn more sitting down watching football at Scott Pioli for four hours than you could in four years with somebody. And he told me that in the Patriots building through that dynasty, what they would say every single day is you are what your record is. It doesn't matter what it looked like. It doesn't matter how many passing yards Tom had. It doesn't matter if they had to hand it off 55 times. You are what your record is. And the Bears are five and one. And I feel like that rings even more true, more true in the NFL than just about any other sport, because wins are much, you know, the singular win is much more valuable in the NFL than it is in, in any other sport. And any, as, as we saw in Sunday night football in you know, we want to talk about the 49ers the last two weeks. Any team can go out is good enough to go out and win any game against any opponent any week. So as long as the Bears yeah. are five and one, I mean, every game is a chance. There's no games on the rest of the schedule where you're saying, yeah, they have no chance of winning. Are we going to find out a lot more about them these next five weeks where they have the Rams, Saints, Titans, Vikings, Packers? Probably. But yeah. right now they're five and one and they've done themselves a favor. They've set themselves up in a spot where they can. I don't want to, they can't obviously go over through that stretch, but they can kind of limp through that stretch, middle through that stretch, and still come out of it seven and three, seven I and think, four, eight and three, like the, and still be in a really good spot, even if they just kind of average over the next five games. I've said this the last couple of weeks, and I really think it, for better or for worse, is a football team that plays to, um, it's a football team that plays to their uh, opponent. And I think we're going to see them play to their opponents, even against these better I'd opponents. I agree with that, yeah. Be in some tight football games. I, I don't expect them to have a touchdown, two touchdown, 10-point lead on anybody over the next five weeks, but they're going to be in a lot of football games. We'll see if they can execute through them. If they continue to stop, if they continue to take the ball away, they're, they're going to win football games. That, that's just the long and short of it. Um, Matt, let, let's give out a game ball here. Uh, we could, I mean, we could break down, as we have in the weeks past, uh, drive by drive but uh, I don't think that's necessary in this game we're now three days removed but we do have to uh, you know brush broadly here and and offer some big takeaways who's your who gets your game ball on on Sunday I could give it to just about any player that started on defense I think they all mm-hmm. played very well I think I think Jalen Johnson and Kyle Fuller both played very well and I think Jalen Johnson's having a sneaky really good year Kyle Fuller's become I think a top five NFL cornerback but it's Kyle, it's Kyle Fuller for me on Sunday. That uh, tackle in the open field on, on Teddy was unbelievable. That's who I was thinking of going with, but I'm going to go the uh, different route here. I'm going to go Cole Komet. Kid catches his first touchdown there you pass. Go. I, I don't know. Let if him two, keep the ball. I don't know if two for tw- <laughs> I don't know if two for twenty is, is enough to call it a breakout game because it's not. But that touchdown catch was a, a really nice throw by Nick Foles, and it was a throw Use that you size box the money. exactly. He, he got position. He went up, kind of got the ball, and that was a throw from a quarterback that he doesn't make unless he trusts the guy he's throwing it to. I don't think he forces it to a guy that he doesn't necessarily trust like that. And um, I think from what we saw from Cole Komet and from what we saw from Demetrius Harris on the other side, wasn't very good. I think we're going to start to see Cole Komet kind of taking over that uh, that second tight end spot, that more blocking tight end position to see. Because he's been fantastic blocking. I think it's just yeah. more worried about getting him acclimated to the, the route running. And Demetrius Harris came from the Chiefs, so he has a little more um, – familiarity with Nagy's system, but I think Cole Komet, we're going to start seeing kind of take over that spot. And that was nice to see him uh, grab that, grab that touchdown. And you talk about the familiarity with Matt Nagy's system and that's a, uh, you know, that's all well and good that, that you played football or that, that he was your coach somewhere else. 
I, I doubt he's rolling out the same plays. I doubt it's the same verbiage. I doubt there's, you know, there's going to be new wrinkles and everything. And I want to take that point and dovetail to Nick Foles here. Is it fair to say that Nick Foles has gotten better week after week? Maybe he took a step back last week. Um, didn't look great. I, I thought it was another step forward this week in, in a realistic expectations of what you think Nick Foles can do on a football field. I think he's getting more comfortable within the offense as well. Yeah, I think uh, obviously the interception was one of the worst we've seen all year. But outside of that one play, uh, yeah, I thought he was fine. I wouldn't say he's – I thought my favorite game of his was Tampa just because the way he kind of led them from behind. Obviously, that third quarter wasn't as good, but that's been the story all year. Yeah. Um, but, I, I mean, I think this Nick Foles is probably – he's obviously – we've seen his peak, and I don't think he's getting to Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles. But if he just kind of keeps steadily improving in the offense, I don't think the offense has anywhere to go but up because I don't think the run game is going to get much worse. And I think mm-hmm. if we just get – I'm over the they need to run the ball, you know, 40 times a game thing because I just don't think that's doable with this offensive line unless they go out and make some ads. And I think with the limited run game they had, I was – happy with what I saw from Nick Foles outside of the one interception. Yeah. I, I didn't want to go bad here, but you brought it up and the run game is still anemic at best. I I think that, and correct me if I'm wrong here, because you spent time in the trenches, Sure, but from where I'm sitting, you made it to the NFL. You're an offensive lineman. At that point, the, Breath of skill from the best offensive lineman in the league to the worst offensive lineman in the league, that disparity isn't that large. They're all very talented and it boils down to execution within a scheme. I, I think that I think that you can expect and demand more out of a run game because it's execution within a scheme. Are you good enough to be in the NFL? Good. Go block ISO. Go block zone. These are concepts you've been running for a very, very long time. Go get it done. I, I don't think that Trent Williams or the Taylor Luans or the, um, you know, I don't think some of the biggest names in offensive line play are all that more talented in run blocking, in pass blocking than your everyday guys you find on the Bears offensive line. I just don't believe that. I think that it's a will and it's a level of execution that we're not seeing. I would say run block, you're probably right, because run block is is basically, as long as you know your steps, run blocking is just, run blocking is get lower than the guy in front of you. Pass blocking is a little bit different because that takes a lot more, obviously you're good enough. Speed, footwork, athleticism, you're using a little bit more there. Pass blocking takes a little much, and I don't think Charles Leno's been all that good at it. And Honestly, their left guard, you said, Got, they all got to the NFL as offensive linemen. Their NFL, or their left guard was Rashawn Coward, who got to the NFL as a defensive lineman, is now a converted offensive lineman. So that's a, that's, that's a little fair. bit of a different scenario. That's uh, that. So I, I wasn't necessarily saying they need to go out and get a Trent Williams, or whatever. Obviously, he's not available, but and he's old. They, so. they need to go out. <laughs> I think they need to go out and find a guard. Um, yeah, that, that's I, I, with James Daniels out. I applaud the effort of Rashawn Coward, but they just they can't run the ball, and I think running that running the football is you need those three interior linemen gelling. You need them going, and yeah. I just they don't have it right now. They had it a little bit with James Daniels, and quite honestly, a lot of people had a problem with Matt Nagy's play calling. I don't love the throwing on third and one. Uh, obviously, that was not not a great call, but again, it wasn't that in Robinson's hands, kind of, and he needs to come up with a catch. But that, yes. uh, other than that, I thought they actually did an okay job of getting kind of creative of extending the run game with some some quick stuff outside. Yeah. Um, I think they do need to get a little bit more creative with how they're getting Dave Montgomery for the ball, but 
he, it's, it's hard to run the football when you can't run the football. Yeah. And, and I, that makes a ton of sense. I, I know it's like, it's a super, I don't have, uh, it, it sounds super, super put it basic. on the whiteboard type thing, but I, I just, I just want to see a little better execution. I want to see a little bit more will a little bit more, uh, imposing effort out of the bears offense. Can, can you get a little bit more creative with some, you know, some counters, some toss cracks, whatever? Yeah, absolutely. But at Crack, the same you time, can't anymore, it's just, it's the, it's, it's the, play, I get what you're it's saying. The I get your um, but like, you gotta be able to run inside zone. Yeah. You gotta be able to run ISO. And then right now the bears just aren't able to do it for some reason. And it, you're right. It comes down to execution and hopefully a couple Look weeks at, from now, the offensive line's jailing a little bit more, but We've gone back to this example a million times here, but look at what Kyle Shanahan has done with that offensive line that was coming under fire through the first four weeks of this season and a quarterback who no one really believes in. Mm -hmm. He dinked, he dunked, he he ran ISO, he ran power, but he made it look like 15 different things. Yeah, They established a run through that, and I'm sorry, they've made Wilson – Looks so much better than he actually. I mean, he's a ta- he's a very talented, or excuse me, uh, Raheem Mostert is a, is a very talented running back, but he was not on a team for a reason two years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, you're 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 imposing your will, you're blocking it up, and you're making your guy look good. Matt Breida looked like an All Pro behind that offensive line last year. Uh, this year, Jarek McKinnon has come back in a big way because of creativity and play calling. You know, getting to certain schemes different ways, setting them up differently. And the imposition of uh, uh, of the will of an offensive line. That, that's all it really is if you want to establish the run. I don't think it's uh, – I guess the point that got us into this whole thing is I don't think the Bears are that are that, at that much of a talent deficit on the offensive line. Maybe they're, maybe they're down a guard, yes, because of an injury here. And they need to go get a, a, a serviceable guard replacement. But beyond that, like, go block run, man. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about the other line, the the uh, the opposite side that we we were both a little bit critical of at times, the, the, the defensive line, yes. the defensive line? Because I think, and I I've said it a couple times now. I'm not sure on the podcast or not, but I, I've said that Kyle Fuller hit against Tampa. I, I feel like flipped Changed a switch on everything. this defense for the season. Like they yeah. were a team that was going through the motions up until that point, and when that happened, when they got the ball, when they took this defense, especially that defensive line, that pass rush, we've seen a different Khalil Mack, we've seen a different Akeem Hicks. I thought Robert Quinn. I don't think he got a sack, but I think he had his best game of the year. I saw not, you saw ninety four a lot in the backfield around the yeah. cornerback, um, and I think he pretty much forced that near safety. He got a lot of pressure, which forced Bridgewater to step up, and, and Nichols kind of got him there. Um, I thought they were again fantastic for the set. You have know, third third straight game now, whatever. And they um, have to be to go back right. to our they have to, to go back to our original because that's conversation. how you get to if good you want this, If you want this team to be competitive, they simply have to be. They're the strength of your team and the strength of your team needs to come up big. Whether mm-hmm. that's your wide receivers, whether that's your defensive line, whether that's your quarterback, the strength of your team needs to dictate the flow of a football game. Yeah, and I I think you saw that. I mean, Khalil Mack is. The sack numbers aren't quite up there, but he's getting a lot of pressure. I thought those mm-hmm. Valal Nichols, I thought had one of his better games of the year. Akeem Hicks is the guy. He's it's hard to call him an unsung hero in the middle of the line anymore, but he, it, it, he's kind of looking like the guy that made I think he's sung. The last couple I think years. they sing him now. He's sung. They sung. They sing his praises. Yeah. Um, and Mario Edwards Jr. I thought they they just picked him up. What was it? earlier this year or uh, in the off season on a, a very cheap veteran minimum type deal or going about a million dollars. And I thought he had a fantastic game, the former first round pick. Um, 
that defensive line is buzzing. And when that happens, the linebacker, it's amazing how that kind of feeds back to the rest of the defense. Because when you're getting pressure, when you're getting, uh, um, when you're whatever you're getting pressure on the run game or pass game, the linebackers look a little bit better because they're not getting as many alignment up to them free. They're making more tackles. It's a lot easier to play cornerback, play safety when the quarterback's under pressure. So I think that it just it starts with that pressure, and they've been getting that really since that Kyle Fuller hit. Yeah, I think that that's a, a big point here is that um, everybody's elevating their play again. Like Eddie Jackson, you're hearing his name every third play. He's around the ball. To Sean Gibson, He's, I think has had a. a, a pretty nice couple he's had a uh, nice game too for for a franchise that you know often has had shortcomings in the defensive backfield Mm -hmm. i I love this i love this set of corners and safeties i think they've done a fantastic job i just popped up the defensive stats here uh we have not said roquan smith's name yet and while he has made some mistakes both uh you know execution wise and just being in the right place he's 52 tackles he's really good Danny Trevathan's next closest with 36. Like, Roquan Smith is in on every single play. 37 solo tackles this season he has already of his 50, of his 52. And mm-hmm. it's he's got seven tackles for a loss, which leads the team as well. Uh, then you're looking at quarterback hits, what we, what we were just talking about. Akeem Hicks leads the team with 10. Khalil Mack, uh, two behind him with eight. So they are, they are doing what they need to do. They're getting to the places they need to be. Yeah, and um, that's all I got for the defense. I have one more game ball I want to give out, if that's okay to you, that we kind of kind of glossed over, didn't talk about. That's, a, that's a good thing. It's we're a hundred dollar GST from Wilson. I got a guy, but we're gonna uh, we're gonna give one to Cairo Santos. Yes, we we absolutely now, now, are. I'm as glad a Bears you said kicker, that. especially the last couple of years, got always got to preface this: you're only as good as your next kick. Yep, but. I don't remember the last time a Bears kicker made a 55-yard field goal. I don't remember the last time a Bears kicker made a 50-plus-yard field goal. It was probably Robbie because I think every yeah. time Cody Parkey had one, he you know shoved it way left, and then we won't talk about the the, the posts. Um, but he was. But I, ha- I I was thinking about. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna say I was thinking about the double doink after Santos Why? hit the 55-yarder. After I saw a replay of it after the game, I thought to myself, if this guy is in a situation. Now, this is right now. This is week six, yeah. going into week seven. If this guy is in a playoff scenario inside of 50 yards, I feel comfortable. I and feel, I, yes, I, I agree. And I and I want him to be there because that's the only way you exercise the demons of the double doink is mm-hmm. to hit a big kick in a big spot. That's the only way Bears fans will have to stop hearing about the double doink from boneheads who know nothing else about the game. Yeah, I mean, and he's been in a lot of, like, that 55-yard field goal was a pretty important field goal at the time that he drew. Like he, the the couple he made against Tampa were at you know, fairly important times. He had some, he had some big extra points against Tampa, which aren't gimmies anymore. Like and they have never really been gimmies for Bears kickers since Robbie Gold left. Um, this is the most comfortable I've felt with a kicker since Robbie Gold, and that's weird because this is a guy who's been you know around practice squads for the most part, hasn't mm-hmm. really had a consistent job, I think since the Chiefs replaced him with Harrison Butker. So that was like, what, four or five years ago? Now, let me just point out, Harrison Butker, also free agent at the time. Now one of the best kickers in the league. So you can go get talent off the street. Yeah. Harrison Harrison Butker had a circuitous route to his success. We've talked about it on this podcast before, about kickers and the Bears' inability to find Being a kicker, I mean, granted, neither of us have been one, but being a kicker is so much just about – it's like your golf swing. It's kind of just being in the right mental space, like having the right frame of mind. It's, it's a lot mental. And if you're feeling it, if you're in a zone like Cairo Santos seems to be, um, 
you can be a an elite NFL kicker. Granted, he yeah. doesn't have the he made one from 55. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that you're going to be, all right, 60 yards, go for it. 55 is probably about his 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 peak, his cap, but he went out there and he drilled it. Good for him. Yeah. Good on him. Uh, we have now exhausted all Bears talk because we are praising Kyle Santos, uh, but hopefully we continue to send praise to each and every one of these Chicago Bears. They have made it fun through six weeks. Uh, now That's we all we can to, ask. We do have to listen to uh, the – the un what's the what's the opposite of nuance the base the base takes of fools around the NFL who don't understand what it takes to be a great Chicago Bears t- team this team has the DNA early on of what it takes to be a great Chicago Bears team a playoff team I believe in that now what needs to change is they conti- need to continue to get better offensively in any way that they can because I don't believe that they've reached their ceiling as an offense. Do I think their ceiling's much higher than where they're at? Maybe not, but they still can get better. Yeah, I, I think it's higher than where they are, but I, I don't think it's 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 not it's never going to be an elite NFL offense. But if, if, as long as they keep steadily improving, which is what Nick Foles pretty much said in the in his press conference that they're not where they need to be, but they're still winning games. If they get to where they need to be, this team can be really really good. Mm-hmm. Awesome! I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Matt, why don't you play my music? Let's whip it around the NFL. Your music. Play the man's music. Uh, pulling up the schedule here, if you allow me Texans, to Texans, Titans. That's the first one on so the Texans and t- Texans and Titans. There was, uh, was no the, Thursday night game this week. It there was, was very no Thursday sad. night. It was sad. It was moved uh, because Patriots, COVID, COVID the whole thing. Um, Houston Texans, Tennessee Titans, Tennessee 42, Houston 36 in overtime fashion. Uh, Tennessee gets it done. Ryan Tannehill has looked fantastic this season. Got to give him his credit, 364 yards in that one. But Derrick Henry is an absolute monster. I believe 264 yards from scrimmage on 25 touches, doing better than 10 yards a touch is Derrick Henry. Yeah, we kind of laughed a little bit at the Tannehill contract at the time, but uh, that one looks like it's paying off. Um, this was my lock of the week. Titans, I don't care I don't care how they covered. They came back from behind late. Needed a gift from Romeo Cornell to go for two, not getting it, but I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, Cincinnati, Indianapolis. Indy wins 31-27. to Cincy with a valiant comeback effort. But Phillip Rivers and his 371 yards gets it done. Uh, this is up there for a game I watched the least of. Yeah, well, no, it was the Colts who had the valiant comeback effort. Cincy was a bigger. Colts came back. Yeah, yeah. Um, my big takeaway from this, I don't think you learned much about the Colts. I think uh, Joe Burrow to T. Higgins is going to be a thing for a long time. Nice hook up there. Yeah. Uh, we also had in week six the Falcons, Falcons the and Vikings. the Vikings. Falcons get their first win of the season, 40-23, to 23, behind a Matt Ryan explosion. Four touchdowns. Uh, Julio Jones is back in the fold, making a world of difference. Todd Gurley has looked great early on in the season to give him his credit. But the Vikings are just really bad. One in five football teams. I don't get three it. At home. Didn't score in the first half. Uh, scored 23 points in the second half, so maybe they found something, but uh, was not enough as the Falcons put up 10 points every quarter, winning 40-23. to 23. I think what they found in the second half was the Falcons playing prevent and just letting them think gotcha. underneath. Um, I, I don't know how the Vikings got this bad. And I, I, I'm still going to be wary of them every time the Bears play because I know who's on that roster. But like, I, I don't get how that roster or that group of guys is this bad. I just don't. Yeah. 
Uh, Broncos and Pats, ugly, ugly football game. Broncos win it 18 to 12. Cam Newton, uh, that team back in the building. I- I'm not hitting the panic button on, on the Patriots just yet. They had two days to get ready for this yeah. game. Cam-, Cam Newton's fresh off of having to sit on the couch. I, I doubt his... Uh, his respiratory system was where he needed it to be to play NFL football. I'm sure he was feeling a little weight on his chest and on his shoulders. Uh, but Drew Locke comes into Gillette, becomes the youngest quarterback to win in Gillette Stadium during the Bill Belichick era, 18-12. to 12, Broncos win. Broncos win. Yeah, I don't think it's, it's a, maybe a little bit of a red flag for the Patriots, but it's by no means a... a- you're not condemning their season or anything yet. You need to see more. You need to see Cam have a full week and all that because we, you know, we saw him against the Seahawks. Obviously, that was a great looking team. On the other side, that's I think that's just if you ask Vic Fangio how he wants to win a football game, I think he'd tell you this exact game. 18 to 12. My quarterback doesn't really do anything. We run for 100 yards. We take the football away. I like it. Giants. Washington 2019. That in happened. A who cares matchup? Both teams one and five. Both hey, teams still, still don't alive. Say who cares? Both teams very alive. Still in alive in the NFC East. The <laughs> NFC East. Here's here's one for you. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are leading the NF- NFC East in point differential with a point differential of minus 34. That's not so good. That, okay. that's, as, that's as good as it gets in the NFC East right but, now. But the Giants did win 20-19. to 19. Daniel Jones led the Giants in rushing with 74 yards. I, I just, I don't know. My I biggest know. takeaway from this game is that Washington is considering being the Washington football team through next year, too, which wow. is a thing, I guess. I kind of like it because it's easy to make fun of. It's easy to make jokes. I like just just saying, just calling them the football team has like a certain comedic uh, uh, value to it that I'm that I'm here for. Fair enough. I'm I'm with you. Uh, We are going to the. Oh, it took me to week seven. It took me to week seven. I apologize. Ravens at the Eagles. The Ravens Ravens won that one, thirty to twenty-eight. Eagles made a valiant comeback after after the Ravens got out to the big lead. Yep, what did you take fourth, for this one, Joe? 22 fourth quarter points out of the Eagles. I took the fact that the Ravens are going through the motions. And while that's um, serving them all right against teams like the Eagles, it's also what damns them against teams like the Chiefs. Yeah, they're they not going to see like many the matchups. Same, they haven't they're seen like the same many... team against since that Chiefs matchup, I feel like. Yeah, you're, you're not going to see many matchups from Baltimore this year that's going to challenge them the way the Chiefs are. The Steelers, however, will. Uh, on November 1st. They do have a bye this weekend. Do the Baltimore Ravens, then they get the Steelers, the Colts, the Patriots, the Titans, the Steelers. That's a tough stretch right there of one, two, three, four, five games. You're going to see some really good defenses. So we'll figure out what this offense is. We'll figure out if Lamar has Super Bowl quality execution over the next five weeks. Yeah, I did not know they had the bye heading into the Steelers game, so that one makes that even more intriguing for me. Um, The Eagles, I guess, are the best team in the NFC East, I guess. Yeah, maybe. Sure, why not? Uh, uh, Who is yeah. next? Steelers and Browns. Steelers <laughs> win 38-7 to in what was supposed to be the rekindling of a rivalry. One team didn't show. Steelers look fantastic. They continue to be. Now, uh, we can laud the Bears' front seven for what they are, but this front seven is serious oh, in yeah. Pittsburgh. Uh, they get after the quarterback. They pressure the quarterback. They made Baker start feeling those goats, ghosts, uh, kind of seeing things that weren't there. Because we know Baker, once you touch him once, he gets happy feet. And that oh, yeah. was the story of Sunday. He was throwing high uh, school interceptions, man. Like He, he was. And I, I really think, I think I said it last week, but I'll say it again today. I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are my pick to win the Super Bowl right now through six weeks. They're just, they're a complete football team. And Ben, I don't think, has gotten back to where he wants to get. And I, and I believe that he will. Um, and I think 
this is going to be a team that's going to be really tough for the entirety of the season, barring some sort of catastrophe injury-wise like they had to deal with last year. But they're 5-0. and They're one of three remaining undefeated teams. Yeah, uh, Chase Claypool had another big game for them again. He's emerging as a legitimate number two target. You can't just be playing for Juju anymore. You, you mean Mapletron? He's going by Mapletron. I like that. That's a great yeah. name. Um, also needed to do a quick shout out here. Former former Fenwick Friar, Robert yeah. Spillane steps Spillane, in at linebacker when Devin Bush went down. Uh, second on the team in tackles. He's probably getting the start next week and calling the defense. Get so, used to it because Bush is out for the season with that ACL, it sounds like. So we got a super – essentially, Joe's saying we have a Super Bowl winning middle linebacker from, from Fenwick. From captaining Friar that up. Steelers defense. Let's go Friars. Friar Friar right now. Friar Friar. Lions and Jaguars. Should we sing the fight Bears. song? No, wait till uh, they win the Super Bowl. Lions win 34-16. Good point. Who cares? Uh, DeAndre Swift. That's about it. That's game. about 14 it. carries, 116 yeah. yards. Spot start in my on my team for a dub over a uh, friend of the podcast, Bobby Zarnowski. I know we don't talk fantasy too much here, but it happened. It anytime was a, it was a, it was anytime a great spot we don't talk about fantasy unless Bob lost. Then unless Bob lost. It. Got yeah. it. Got it. Uh, Jets and Dolphins. Dolphins win 24 to nothing. Tua comes in with two minutes left, goes two for two, and now he's the starting quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. I guess they saw a whole lot in that. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. We'll get into more of that and buy or sell, but uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, again, reduced the clipboard duties uh the check doesn't change and at 40 years old or whatever he is i'm sure the body is happy that two is going to be the uh, starting quarterback the mind however might not be happy but the jets are just that bad they're 0 six adam Gates has more double digit losses as, as a head coach than wins that's obscene he has 31 double digit losses and 30 wins and we talked about the dolphins being a year um a year out on being a true competitor and I really think they are. I think Flores has them going. I think there's a lot of good pieces there. I think they believe in one another. There's a lot of good things happening in Miami right now. Don't look. Don't look now. But I, a lot of a lot of good things happen. I love what the Dolphins are doing. I think they, since last year when we kind of saw some flashes from. I've been a huge Brian Flores fan. I've been said that a bunch of times on the podcast too. I, I think he's got them going in the right direction. I think he's the the best of the Belichick disciples and, and is going to have a, a nice long tenure down there in Miami. Let's give let's give Vrabel a little bit of credit for two was seconds. He, is he t- well, did he coach under Belichick? I, he's a player, so I, I no, call well, him. So, okay, you saying guess, coaching tree. You're saying I, coaching I, tree. Yeah, I shouldn't have said disciples. I was he on that staff? Tree. I don't think Vrabel. No, I think, right I think Vrabel no, coached straight, in Houston. Yeah. I think he started he in Houston as like uh, linebackers, quality, and then kind of made his way up to the coordinator. With Cornell, yeah. Uh, Buccaneers and Packers. Buccaneers win 38-10 in your latest installment of I'm Aaron Rodgers, I let go of the rope. Uh, When Aaron Rodgers loses, Aaron Rodgers loses. I mean, we saw it last year against San Francisco twice. We saw it against the Buccaneers here. You go up 10-0, tides turn, you throw a couple picks, you look terrible. There's no bounce back from Aaron Rodgers. If he doesn't have it, it's not coming. You know, if he doesn't have it through the first quarter... I don't think he finds it in the locker room. Yeah, there's he, he just he just he's very apt to let go of the rope. That said, get him a Bears uniform. Yeah, I would happily take him in a Bears <laughs> uniform if you wanted. To, if you wanted, to, I think I think Khalil Mack could shake that out. But that's it. Like, there's not much fighting through adversity for Aaron Rodgers. Like you were just kind of like the second things went bad, they were done. Hey, Grant, they're playing. They're playing a good sweet celebration, team. loser. Yeah, like uh, not a good Rob one, Gronkowski right. coming out party, five receptions, seventy-eight yards, one touchdown. 
while the numbers look good, he just looks so ginger and concerned with what he's doing. I think he understands the fragility of his body at this point yeah. in his career. He's, he's just, not playing he's with playing the same to get reckless to abandon. Even that touchdown catch that we were talking about, it great, opened up, flipped his hips, got his feet down, made a beautiful one-handed catch. Rob Gronkowski, the Rob Gronkowski, high points that ball and comes down at a mm-hmm. heap. He let that ball come down to him. Um, he's playing the game differently, but if he can be effective in that role, uh, I think that um, him and Cam Brait make a really, really dangerous duo uh, at tight end there. O.J. Howard is down. I don't know for how long. I know he's on the IR. Um, but even when O.J. Howard comes I think O.J. Howard's out for the year, I believe. Is he out for the year? I okay. think it's the year. I could be wrong. Uh, never, never wishing that upon anyone, but I think that the combination of Gronk and Brait works a little bit more seamlessly uh, mm-hmm. the same way that it did last year with uh, or the last two years when it was Brait and um, it OJ wasn't Howard. OJ no because OJ wasn't playing OJ was hurt or out for some reason it was um, I don't remember breaking on the tight end's name I don't remember uh, three names three names Not Ricky Seals Jones Hope. no <laughs> we both Contavious Caldwell well, he's a Laker Ricky Seals Jones I know I'm kidding uh, but the Buccaneers do what we need them to do. Packers dropped a four and one. Bears Ronald Jones Jr. too, look looking down. looking very good. Yes, looking like a serious. Remember, remember when Leonard Fournette was the big pickup? Well, they got of the Leonard Fournette. Uh, I believe isn't Legarrette Blunt also on that roster? I would uh, hope. So. I don't think so, but I, no? I, I would be shocked if he was in the league. But you might be right. okay. Wouldn't be. Uh, I mean, he, he's a Brady guy. Maybe Tom said, "Hey, give him a job." I don't know, but he is a big Brady guy. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt is currently, I believe, retired. Yeah, he's a, he's a free agent. He's a free agent right now. He is. Hey, don't look now, Chicago Bears. Don't look now. Bring him in. Uh, moving on here with our week six action, uh, 49ers and Rams. 49ers go out there and get a convincing win. Just when everyone was ready to sell their 49ers stock, they go 24-16 over the Rams. Defense, while banged up, came into this one and showed up. This was a... Um, this was one of the more loose Jared Goff performances, so he didn't really test this 49ers defense too much, but Kyle Shanahan did what he needed to do, possess the football, got it to George Kittle, ran it in nuanced and inventive ways, and they come up with a big win. This was the kind of this is the game that well coached teams and good franchises, you know, go out and win. Not to say the Rams aren't a good franchise, obviously they are, but this was like the 49ers needing the win after looking so bad this when everybody's kind of writing them off this is the kind of game that you know those franchises those world yeah. coach teams come out and show up and usually win especially at home and uh that's exactly what happened george kittle's really good man jimmy garoppolo had 268 passing yards but so many of those throws were within five yards if not five yards of the line of scrimmage maybe behind the line of scrimmage that touchdown pass to uh was it debo streaking across the i think, I think so debo. It's, it goes down as a touchdown pass, but it, you're flipping it in front of you, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, the one to Kittle was a nice little sit-down route into the second level, maybe a 12-yard pass that he takes. Or, no, he looped it over the top. That might have been like a 20-yard pass. But um, needless to say, to go off of your point, Kyle Shanahan is putting his quarterback in, in a place to succeed, understanding the strengths and weaknesses of the guys he has at his disposal. And, you know, the box score is going to fill itself up when you're calling good plays like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond that, we had the Monday night the games. Monday night games, a, a doubleheader on Monday night. Uh, thought it was going to be fantastic action. Wasn't. No, it's not Bills, so much. 26 17. Uh, okay. The Chiefs, like- the Chiefs defense stepped up after not being good against Oakland at all. Um, yeah. The Bills looked like a the- team not quite ready. Yeah, it wasn't the 
best. It wasn't a fastball from either one of these teams, I don't think. Uh, for me, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, despite the addition of Le'Veon Bell, is, you know, right in that rookie of the year conversation if he continues to run the ball the way he is. He's so fast. He's so shifty. He works perfectly in that offensive scheme. Um, Chiefs are Chiefs are going to be the Chiefs. I, I just think that they... They did sleepwalk their way to a victory in this one a little bit. I think they're I think they're far better than the Buffalo Bills. I think they're far better than nine points better than the Buffalo Bills. I, I, I'm not buying the Buffalo Bills just yet. Yeah, the Chiefs, you talked about it with the Ravens a little bit. The Chiefs appear to be going through the motions a little bit. And they, hey, they're 5-1 they're and one doing it. But they, they do appear to be going through the motions. And hey, we'll see if they can break out of that You know, later in the year come playoff time. Usually teams like that can. Uh, but we've also seen Super Bowl hangovers hurt teams like the Chiefs in the past. My guy Kyler Murray leading the Cardinals to a win over the Cowboys, 38-10. to uh, Got to admit, I love watching the kid play football. He's so fast. Three more wins. Just need three more wins. That, the three more wins. Uh, things that he does in the football field, extremely impressive. Kenyon Drake goes off. Uh, Christian Kirk catches a nice long one, had a couple touchdowns. Uh, but the story here is just how bad the Cowboys are and how if you think Andy Dalton when did it get how did it get this bad if you think Andy Dalton's an answer for this team you need to keep asking questions because Andy Dalton is who we thought he was and he he's no undoubtedly through one week to be fair undoubtedly gotten worse from the eight win playoff quarterback mm-hmm. that people were you know touting him has this great pickup as a backup I don't. I don't know if I don't know if you win five games with Andy Dalton as your quarterback, especially with this defense. Five games might win the NFC East because that's it, and they have two wins, and or they have one win. No, they have one they have win. They're two and four. They have two. They're yeah. two and four. So they're tied for first place with the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Or Eagles no, they, they're. I think they're. I think the Eagles are one four and one. Yes, they're one four and one. So they're leading with two wins. But if this tells you anything about the NFC East this season, they've given up. They're on pace to give up 581 points. The NFL record was 533 points given up by the 1981 Colts. They are on pace to be 50 points worse than the worst defense in the history of the NFL. And we're talking about them being in the lead of a division. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how one of these teams is going to host a playoff game. I don't know if this sparks some sort of change within – like if if the Cowboys somehow scratch their way to seven wins this year and they – host a playoff game and they upset a team, something needs to change from a home field advantage standpoint. See, like, it, it won't change as long as it's a team like the Cowboys or the Eagles or the, like, I get it. But, because that's ugh. like, an, if, if it were to happen where like, it, it, I don't know, like if the, the Vikings did it or the Lions did it at seven and nine, whatever, obviously it wouldn't happen. The NFL might care, but since it's the Dallas Cowboys, or the Philadelphia Eagles, or, you know, one of their cash cows in the East, they're going to be happy that that actually just happened. Uh, Matt, that is your Sunday NFL whip around for week six in the NFL. The Bears sit at five and one. It's a great day to be great. It's a great day to be five and one. Why don't we jump into some locks of the week? Uh, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay NFL here. I think you're taking us to the college. I ranks, think I'm uh, going to go college. as a as a tip of the cap to uh, Big Ten football. Being yeah, we're bringing back. Big Ten football back. I'm going to go. Uh, it's a lot of points, but I think in college football you lay points on on heavy favorites usually get paid off and we've seen this rivalry if you can call it that in the past lean this way a lot ohio state's laying 26 at home against nebraska um ohio state is going to come out 
firing guns blazing. I think Nebraska. I gave you this one, by the way. Wait, no, 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 no. If you win, I should get a half. I said, I I gave you this. No, no, I said I like the line. Talk about after you said you. No, 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 no. You gave me. You gave me what Nebraska media was saying about Nebraska, but I said I liked Ohio State. Did did you confirm my pick? Did you help me confirm that I liked it? I gave absolutely. You did not give me. Gave you this pick. You not give me. Gave you this pick. This is my pick. This is off my card. This is going to be a fifty-point ball. Just because it's on your put card, your mortgage, you my put your mortgage on the Ohio State Buckeyes. Like everything in this game tells me that Ohio State is going to come out hungry for blood right now. Is she no, she's she left for work. She's, okay. They're going to be hungry for blood, ready to send a message to the entire nation that we are the best team in the land. That's what Ohio State's ready to do, and unfortunately. For the Nebraska Cornhuskers, they're going to be on the wrong side of that. All of the information coming out of Lincoln over the last week has been how great of a group of guys this is. Uh, Scott Frost has has such a great group of young gentlemen, the guys you want your girl, you want your daughter to bring home as their boyfriend. Like, give me a break. That's the like about great to get groups our, of young gentlemen don't win the Big Ten. That's the about to get our teeth kicked in by the Buckeyes again. Um, spin to make this thing some somewhat positive adrian martinez uh what do you call it kurt warner's kid uh yeah cade cade warner's on the team uh christian mccaffrey's brother like it's like a but i don't know i i I don't i don't know enough about nebraska i do know enough about ohio state Exactly. And Ohio State is going to win this game by at least five touchdowns. Jason, this is a game that Urban Meyer did it at some point too, but this is a game that, like you said, Jason Day is going to want to make a statement. Yeah, I don't think you're going to make Jason Day. Justin Day? Justin Day. Day? uh, Yes. Justin Day? No, that's wrong. What's his name? Why why do I keep thinking Uh, of Jason Day? Ohio. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, Ryan Day. Ryan Day. Ryan, Ryan Day. Day. Ryan Day. Um, but point being, he's trying to make a point on Saturday, and uh, he, he was the most vocal of the Big Ten needs to be playing, and they're getting yeah. the raw, and he wants to come out and make a state and be also prove that even though they're going to play less games, Ohio State knows if they want any chance at a playoff bid, they're going to have to win all of their games and do it very convincingly. So if there if there is a hashtag program that I believe in to come out of a shutdown, to use that time to their advantage. It is the Ohio State Buckeyes out of the Big Ten. Not a doubt in my mind. So there we go. There's your Big Ten football preview. It's Ohio State's going to be really good. Uh, For me, and this is going to be stupid because I wanted that and I was going to take that, but then you took that. Um, I've I've You can take it. It'll just do none of us any favors. No, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna do that. For the people, I'm gonna give a pick here, and I'm gonna go to the NFL. Uh, I like Atlanta laying two against Detroit, mm-hmm. but Detroit has gotten out to early leads against all those teams. And I'm not sure that Atlanta has the firepower to come back if Detroit does get out to an early lead again. If they run the ball effectively, mm-hmm. um, Atlanta could find themselves in a game where they have to come behind, come from behind against Detroit. So I am going with the vaunted defense of the Dallas Cowboys as a yes. on the road against the Washington Football Team. Two crappy teams, but Dallas needs a win in the worst way to maintain that lead atop the NFC East. I can't even say it with a straight Washington face. playing Give me the for first Cowboys. place. Washington the- playing for a tie for first place. Give me the Cowboys and a pick them over Washington. A couple yeah. other games. I hate it so now, much. Max sits at four and two. I sit at three and three. I'm going to regret saying this because both picks will probably end up being wrong. A couple other picks that I liked. I did like the Browns in a bounce back spot at Cincy just because they're the kind of team that usually – Beats up on the bad teams, gets killed by the good ones. They're laying three at Cincy. 
And I kind of like the Panthers on the road laying the seven and a half at the Saints. I think the Saints are the better team, but they don't getting, score at the same. Half, I'm sorry. Right? That, that, yes. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Getting the seven and a half. Excuse me. Um, the Saints aren't usually a team that, you know, blows you out right now with Drew Brees. They're going to beat you, but it's like they're not putting up the points they used to. I think Carolina's pretty good and can keep that game somewhat close. They'll probably not win it. All right. And also uh, the Bills laying 13 at the Jets is probably a lock. Yeah. Let's be real. I think we just yeah. both wanted to stop picking the Jets because it's getting boring. That's fair as well. That's fair as well. Uh, Matt, we do have a World Series going on at last check. Uh, it did happen. The, the Dodgers lead one nothing after a Game 1 victory on Tuesday night. Mickey Betts, fantastic. Cody Bellinger, fantastic. Um, gauge, I'm just trying to gauge your level of intrigue here with this World Series. How much of it do you plan on watching? I was interested going into last night. Um, I was obviously with Kershaw starting game one. I thought that was a great storyline. Kind of wanted to see how he'd look, how the Dodgers would look. Um, I think after game one, that looked like a Dodgers got their monkey off the you know, monkey off their back in the Atlanta series. And now I think they're kind of just going to roll to it. Um, not that the Rays aren't bad, but the Dodgers are just that good. And I, I think they're going to kind of roll. Yeah. I, I'm interested, but I think last night kind of told me where the series is going to go, where I don't think every game is necessarily appointment television, but I'll, I'm, I will imagine every game that's on I'll at least watch part of. Yeah, and I think this Tampa team has a lot of firepower. They have a lot of fight. They have the bullpen to do it. So I, I don't think – I think we get at least six games here. I, I really do. I think that Tampa will at some point – feel like they control the series and I think that's happening sooner rather than later. I, I think that we're gonna we're in for a good one here. I, I, I don't I don't um I don't know if they have enough to get it done. I do think the Dodgers end up winning the World Series. Uh that was my pick um when this all restarted. I mm-hmm. I didn't dig dig too deep for that one. They were the odds on yeah. favorite, but they call them favorites for a reason. And uh yeah, it, it's good baseball. It's it's good pitching. It's good hitting. Watch it if you like baseball. Get back into it. This one's got to this one's got to hurt to watch as a Boston fan knowing what you gave knowing Mookie Betts Mookie's is there gone, instead of Boston. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to hurt. Uh it is it is downtimes in the world of Boston sports at least compared to what they've been used to. But Celtics will be there in the Eastern Conference next year. The Pats will probably be there at the end of the season this year. Bruins are always there. Let's not be let's not shy in the NHL. Uh, should we jump into some buy or sell here, Matt? I would love that. You want me to start uh, or do you want to start? I'll start us off okay, here. You start uh, us off. We, we alluded to it. Uh, he was Tua for Tua for nine yards in his debut. Tua Tagovailoa, now the starting quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, called for it in this window uh, prior to the schedule shifting because this was supposed to be the Jets by Jets mm-hmm. stretch where I said Jets by Jets, uh, Cincinnati Bengals was this stretch. Uh, instead, I believe it's Jets since he it, – it, it's different now. I don't yeah. have it in front of me. But this was a time that we were going to have Tua starting as the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. But I now that we're here, I, st- I don't get it. Uh, buy or sell Tua – buy or sell, this is too early for Tua. Yeah, I think we bought it as like they'd be 1-5, 2-4 kind of deal and mm-hmm. not be looking good. But they're looking good. Um, I, I guess – I mean, they're, they see them both in practice every day. Um, they, they have a better feel of it than we do. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's been good, not like lighting the world on fire other than that 49ers game. I don't really understand it, but at the same time, I've been a big Brian Flores fan. I talked about even earlier on this, like this episode, I, I love what he's doing there. I trust in what he's doing. And quite honestly, I think what this says is making the playoffs this year, while would be nice, is not as important as the development of you know our team, our young guys, our quarterback. And if they think this is the best step in his development for his long-term success, 
that's what's most important because the Dolphins could sneak into the playoffs. Yeah, but they're not winning a Super Bowl this year, and that's really the ultimate goal. So I, and I think if they think that's what's best for Tua's development, go for it. I think what's exciting about it is that this team feels like they have enough talent to surround Tua with for him to be safe and effective and mm-hmm. start to learn. You know, that's not always the case when you draft a quarterback. What was he, fifth overall? Your team sometimes is too bad. If you have, yes. if you have the luxury Where are you of putting not, your quarterback in a bad you have, spot? Yeah, you're putting him in a bad spot. He's not going to learn anything. What he's going to learn is that, you know, defensive linemen weigh a little bit more in the NFL and they're a little bit faster. That's what he's going to learn. Um, but this Miami Dolphins team is good enough to allow Tua to learn. And I think that's why he's in the game. Would I like to see him on the sideline a little? He's just... I'm going to hold out hope because I do want to see him succeed. I love, I've always liked the Dolphins. They've always been my second team. I've always Mm -hmm. liked, you know, lefty quarterbacks, guys who make things look cool and look different. But like Tua to me, I don't know if it's the number one on his jersey. A lot of boneheaded takes here, but he looks slight. He looks slight. He looks small. He looks fragile. Uh, And I don't necessarily love it moving forward. Well, I hope he is the future of the franchise. I hope he's Drew Brees with a left-handed, uh, you know, with with a left justified. Let's put. Um, I, I just don't know. We need to find out. We need to see. And there's only one way to see, and that's playing Tua. So I guess I'm. I guess I'm just nervous for him. It would be my would be my takeaway. Yeah, because, especially coming you know, off we the, talk about the hip yeah, injury we, too. We talk about you know, oh, what's Dak going to be off this catastrophic ankle injury? Oh, what is what's this guy going to be off injury? What's that guy going to be off injury? Let's not forget. Tua Tagovailoa suffered a career threatening hip injury ten mm-hmm. months ago. Ten months ago, he was having his hip reset in a locker room before going to have surgery to make sure that there wasn't blood on his hip. You know, he's, he's got, he's, he's 22 years old with the hip of a 45 year old, 50 year old already. So I, I don't necessarily love the whole situation, but I am rooting for Tua Tagovailoa wholeheartedly. Yeah. I hope it goes well. And like, I, I think you just, I think you got to trust the coaching staff and, and that franchise that they wouldn't put a guy they have so much invested into in a bad situation. True. Um, you want to go, let's go UFC first. Um, okay. UFC 254 is Saturday night, correct? Yeah. Uh, Khabib's making his return to the octagon. So I'm going to ask you, you don't have to go through the whole card. Maybe, you know, the three or four top fights, whatever. I want to ask you who you're buying and selling in each fight. So some, some gambling picks some primers here for the people. Okay. Uh, little note here on UFC 254. It is going off fight Island, Abu Dhabi. Fight Island. I love it. Which means it starts at two Eastern. Uh, you're going to have midday UFC oh, that's awesome. amongst, amongst some football. So get your second screens ready here. Uh, but headlining it is Khabib Nurmagomedov and uh, Justin Gaethje. Gaethje, who we've seen, the knockout artist. Uh, Khabib, who is just a, uh, just a monster. He's yep. going to beat you on the ground. He's going to submit you. He's going to break your will. He's going to take you down. Um, I don't Unless Gaethje catches Khabib early here, I just don't see how Gaethje wins this fight. Khabib's going to challenge his wrestling. And, you know, Gaethje is a good wrestler in his own right, but we're talking about one of the finest wrestlers that breathes air on this earth in Khabib Nurmagomedov. And I think there's a little bit of, um, you know, extra fire there for him. We know his relationship with his family and with his father. His father passed Mm -hmm. from COVID-19. He's going to be spiritually ignited by that, I feel like. And this is someone who is always looking for that spiritual ignition, something to latch on to. And he's got it here. I think it's Habib in a landslide. You're going to have to pay a price here. I believe Habib is minus 330 as a favorite. So you're going to have to pay 
three thirty to every price to every dollar. Uh, as an underdog, Gaethje plays plus two seventy. So maybe you want to pick Nurmagomedov in a round. Like if you're trying to get a, mm-hmm. a better return here, uh, you're picking Habib second round, Habib third round. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how long Ga- uh, Gaethje you know, survives this. He was talking with our guys on the morning combat podcast on CBS about how, you know, this fight is life changing for him. He's got his mom retiring. He's got this, he's looking at what he's doing with his money already. Um, that's what a loser does. And, uh, I just, I just don't see it happening for for, for Gaethje. Now, could he, could he tag Habib on the chin and change the comp, uh, the complexionist thing? Uh, anybody can get it, especially when it's Justin Gaethje, but, I'm going with Habib in the in the main event. Okay. Any other? I, I won't ask you to break down every fight here, but any other fights that you got your eye on that you have, the co-main event is Whitaker, Canyonay, uh, Canyoner, the co-main name uh, uh, Robert Whitaker and, and Jared Canyoner. Yeah, Canyon. Uh, I think that you know I, I don't know a ton about the favorite here, uh, Canyoner, but uh, Robert Robert Whitaker is even money at plus one hundred. He's someone that. We know. I mean, he's a veteran. If I'm looking for some value and I want to take you further down the card here, sure. uh, I do I do like Walt Terrace at plus 135 over Alexander Volkov. Both, you know, longtime stalwarts here. Uh, Walt Terrace coming off a big win, but that's plus money. Um, and I think I might throw that in to try and even out uh, the Habib money on, on a little parlay. I like that. There you um, go. I'm, I'm looking at our as I'm looking at our article right now. Uh, Rashad Evans, Hall of Famer, likes uh, Devson Figueroa. In, That's in, the in, name. So, so there's another one to jump on. Hold on, I'm, I'm looking at it right here. He likes Figueroa. He likes. Oh, these are early card picks. So yeah, it's a li- it's a little deep in the weeds, but I'd say go Nurmagomedov and Walt Harris would be. There you go. There, there's your gambling picks for the weekend, people. If you want to yeah. dabble away from college football, uh, that's where we're going. Uh, Matt, I have one more for you here as well. Uh, buy or sell as the White Sox continue their managerial search uh, that apparently began with Tony La Russa. Uh, buy or sell. I guess this is less of a buy or sell and more tell me who you'd want. Uh, I, I, I don't want to make you buy or sell any individual. Um, actually, yeah, let's do that. You want to do Tony LaRusso? Exactly, no, 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 no. Okay. Because I, I think we're all selling on Tony LaRusso, or at least I am. I, I hope that you sell. I hope that you share that same um, compulsion to sell on someone who likely wouldn't um, communicate, see eye to eye with this young group of all-stars. Um, buy or sell. Um, who do I want to give you here? Alex Cora? Like, uh, like Alex Cora is going to Boston. I think that's, that's going to be. I, I mean, the, the name is AJ Hinch. Okay, um, so, then, so then let's AJ do it Hinch. this way. So the, let's do it this way. Buy or sell AJ Hinch as the White Sox new manager manager after going through what he just went through, allowing what he allowed to happen in Houston. I would buy it. Um, I mean, if, if that's the hire they announce tomorrow, which I, I think if. We're looking at gambling odds, which I doubt they're out there. I think he would be the odds-on favorite right now. Um, I know he went through something, you know, the scandal and all that stuff. But like, that's that's something that he, someone's going to hire him. He's going to be back, and if he's not back with you, he's probably going to be back in some place like Detroit, who said they were very interested and might throw a whole lot of money at him. And that's I don't think you want him managing in the division against you. Someone's going to go out and hire him, um, and I. I He's a guy that has identified with a young core, and I don't care. Obviously, they were doing things not legally, but he still was a great manager for that young core. He proved that he knew how to handle a bullpen. 
he could put together a line. I mean, that's what you're looking for from this White Sox manager. He's not my yeah. top choice. I've, I've said it, I think, since last year at some point. Excuse me, had a had a frog in my throat there. Um, Bruce Bochy is the, is the name, is the guy I'd call, and he's even said that uh, we had a, an, an NBCSportsChicago.com. There was somebody reached out to him, I forgot who it was, but and asked me specifically about the White Sox job. He said he'd listen to anything. Um, he's he's my top name at this point, especially yeah. because the Padres don't like. Well, you, I think you were the one who said he'd be, you know, uh, the yeah, Padres. Yeah, he makes nice. his home. It's where he wanted it to be. It's doesn't what he look wanted like to the do. Padres are making a managerial change anytime no. soon, and probably rightfully so because they're in a great spot. Um, that's the guy I'd call because that's a guy who, yeah, he's a little bit older, but he's 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 managed to three World Series in the last ten years. Um, he's a legend of the game. He's a fantastic manager. I think you've said you. You said, if, I mean, if that's your guy, go get him. He, I think he's the best name out there. If they get A.J. Hinch, I'm fine with that. But I would, my first call is Bruce Bochy. I like it. Um, Bochy would be great. Um, again, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'd love to know the criteria of what the White Sox are looking for. Like, what is their list of demands asks necessities out of a manager and just because i'd like to, i'd like to know where the thought process is at because I mean, the thought process started with tony la Russa. han said uh they it's not mandatory but they'd like a guy with previous managerial managerial experience and okay. a guy who's you know won recently like way you had, had recent success gotcha. um, obviously tony la Russa isn't exactly recent success um i don't by any means want Tony Larusa, but like if they announce that hire tomorrow, I wouldn't. You could do worse than him. I don't. You can do better, but I also think you could do worse than him. I. But that's it. If they were going to hire him, I think they would have hired him pretty quickly after all that smoke flared up about yeah. them hiring him. I don't think yeah. he's waiting two weeks they to were take that the tires. Um, I, I would have. I would all, also been okay with that if it came with, hey, he's our he's our manager, and AJ Pierzynski's the bench coach, and essentially this is a three year deal, and then we're handing the reins over again. That's that. I don't think that's happening. Yeah, uh, Matt. Uh, just to do a little like cross platforming here, we want to kick up some Twitter engagement. We want your guys uh, mailbag questions. I just sent you a video that I yeah. need you to watch and I need you to react to. Okay. Uh, I, I've not prefaced this. I've not told you I'm sending you this oh video. Oh, God. I, can, I golf, don't even need to see the swing. This is it terrible. is a golf podcast. Uh, I got paired. I played yesterday. You played with this I, guy? I played with three gentlemen. He all doesn't have a 70, swing. Three gentlemen, all 70 years old or older. Um, two of them could golf their ball. This gentleman that you're seeing uh, in this video very much could not. But two of the three swings were like nothing I'd ever seen before. This one, and there was another one of a gentleman. Uh, I was referring – so I had three guys. The one guy who I enjoyed was the process. He was a little slow, but he, he could play. Okay. Uh, this was the mechanic who just did it his own way. And then there was uh, Mr. Feel. Mr. Feel had a real <laughs> weird swing too. Mr. Feel never came to a stop and had a Barkley hitch at the top, like double clutched at the top and then swung, but could hit the ball. It was Whatever works it for was, you. I was in a bizarro world of golf yesterday. It was hilarious. We did finish the round in four hours and 15 minutes, so no complaints in terms, in terms of pace. But watching these gentlemen play the game of golf left me no hope. So I'm going to have Matt tweet this video out from okay. the Moose and Runes account. We'll get that out there. You guys spot. send us funny videos, funny golf videos. Let us know what you think of this video. Whatever. The guy's Just, stance is literally like, you know, like 
when you're warming up doing stretches before a workout and you do some lunges, he's, he looks he's like doing, he's mid lunge. Like he's lunge, he's, he's, lunge he's doing forward. a he's doing a groin lunge. There, there's a big back foot tap. There's a yip. There's a big and then the club just gets lifted up and flipped around. Halfway now this gentleman also this was okay. I'm showing you nice from middle of the fairway here. Anything around the green, he would take a six iron and slap the six iron down onto the ball to make the ball jump up in the air. It was the most obscene thing I've ever seen in my life. I, I just it. want every, I just want other people to experience this. It's going to be up on the Moose and Moons Twitter account, uh, hopefully when you're listening to this. We're going to get there, and I, I think I have one more buy or sell for you. And okay, I also, sorry. I, no, I, but I, also, I also want to say, because you brought this up, I do have a golf-related mailbag, a quick one. It's, it's a, it's a golf-fashion-related mailbag, but we'll get to Love that. Love it. Um, but first, I'm going to make myself angry. Um, I want to ask you about the Blackhawks. The reason we delayed this podcast today is because oh, they were yeah. teasing that big announcement, and I wanted to see what it was just in case, and then it came out that it wasn't really going to be anything, and then it wasn't. Joe, yeah, you're a Blackhawks fan, but obviously you're separated from the team now. You're a much more casual fan now than you used to be because the fall off. You didn't even read that letter, uh, but you, you generally know what it said. Like, hey, now, buy tickets. Now that letter, thing. I was going to say that letter was intended for season ticket holders. Okay? It wasn't. So t- so I, there I, was, I was well, not, there was, well, there was, no, 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 no. There, there was one, to that there was, no, that's not, there was one sent to season ticket holders and there was one that uh, they tweeted out on their account Got to it. like everybody. Didn't read either. I, buy or sell, I don't even know how to phrase this. Buy or sell the Blackhawks quote unquote path, route, whatever, direction as a casual fan. I want to see where you're at uh, on them as a casual fan. Um, I'll buy the route. I'll, I'll, I'll believe in Stan Bowman. I know that's, I know that's, <laughs> that's I know that's, cold, I know, well, no, I know it's hard to do. And, I, but let's, let's be honest that he had his hand in bringing three Stanley cups to Chicago, pulling them out of the doldrums of the NHL. Now that did start, prior to him, and that did start with some picks of Jonathan Taze and, and Patrick Kane and those pieces that were put in place that made it much easier to do this. But you have to you have to give someone a little bit of leeway if they are going to be the general manager of your team. And, and they have he has made questionable decisions in the past. So what I'm saying here is that I'll buy the route, I'll buy the path, I'll give him the opportunity. What I won't buy are the jerseys, the tickets, the um, the four hundred dollars in drinks to go to the bar and mm-hmm. watch the game. Like there is so much about this team as the casual fan, as you've uh, outlined me as, and I won't claim to be anything more than the casual fan. I mean, I'll watch them while they're bad, but it's no. I think it, it, it I think it's fair to say while you were here, you were a fairly big Blackhawks yeah, fan. But when you and, move and, away, and when everyone, you work at nights, it's everyone, hard to be a, you know a everyone's fan. everyone's invested in a team when you know there's a chance that they break the wins record. There's a chance that they get the one seat. It's easier mm-hmm. to be invested in a team. So I'm selling on my emotional investment, on my monetary investment in this team. Do I buy? The fact that the guy's got a plan, yes. Do I buy the fact that it's going to work? I move away from yes a little bit there. Do I buy actually things with Blackhawks logos on them and $250 tickets and the things that it costs you to be a fan? No. Like I have other things to do with my money at this point. Like I'm I'm New York adjacent. I want to go see Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. I want to go see Kyrie and KD 
uh, do their thing at the at the Barclays. I want to go to shows on Broadway. I don't I don't want to spend my money on something that's not going to give back to me right now. So if I if I don't feel that the Blackhawks are in a position to give back to me, sorry, I, I'm selling on them monetarily. I guess is the way that I oh, that I'd frame it. I do think what this was was basically a pitch to get people to keep giving them money. Yeah, keep that's, season, which it, it, it's, that's it. It's not going to work because it, there are a lot of season ticket holders, a lot of Blackhawks fans that are very upset. That's as, it. People, I can't, as people who bought the $15 tickets to sit in the first row of the 300 and sneak booze in, like we've talked about before on this try podcast. Try $9 tickets to the top level of the 300. Those are the when, real ones. And then, then you walk down to the those first the, row. Yeah, those are the great stuff value. There. Yeah. With, a, with a pint of SoCo on your thigh, like simpler times, <laughs> crappy team will go support you. But don't think that I'm going to spend a buck fifty to sit in the 300 level and watch this trash. See, not only can I not buy that, though, but I can't buy Stan Bowman getting another chance. I can't believe in him because okay. if he would have made I, and, this, I, and I trust your hockey discretion if, more than mine. A hundred times. Here's over. what: I, if he would have made this speech and this this letter were given out after uh, the Nashville sweep, what was it, 17? Okay, you know what? Yes. I buy that. Then I buy that. But this isn't like this. They're headed into this rebuild because of it. Say what you want about his moves during the cup years. That they won three Stanley Cups. You have to give him credit for that. He made some very nice moves, made some not some great ones, whatever. But the moves he has made since then, pretty much exclusively, are why they're headed here. Yeah. That, that's why they're headed for rebuilds. Because not just over the last one year, over the last four years, he has made a series of moves that have put the, put uh, that have uh, put him here. I don't think believe he's had a first round pick reach their second contract with the team yet. Mm. Like, let that sink in. None, none of I think, I mean, Adam Bokfist looks like a guy that probably will. Kirby Doc for sure will. But, like, he's had – Kirby Doc is the one pick you can tell me right now that he's made in the first round. It's like, yeah, that's a guy. That's a guy that's going to be here for a while. Adam Bokfist looks all right, but you don't really know yet because he hasn't – he looked like he had some problems last year too. He's had his chances. I don't believe I, – I don't get how you can keep selling me on this guy who com- – he's the reason they're here. The contracts he's signed, the trades he's made, the no value he's gotten out of a lot of these deals are why they're here. And not only are the Blackhawks not in a position to win, they're in salary cap hell. Yeah. And um, it's You can't sell me on this guy running the team anymore. I mean, he's going to get a chance, which is unfortunate, but he's had the chance. I, I don't I don't know what he's done. To, you look at franchises like Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, when they went in their slump, fired their GM, brought in a new set of eyes. Look at them. They won you know two Stanley Cups. Like that's I don't get it. I, I don't understand it. It makes zero sense to me. I'm not quite sure how he is winning favor with the organization over Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Duncan Keith. It's just it, it makes no sense to me. And it's not really a true rebuild because they're not really trading those guys. They don't yeah. have anybody else to trade. They've made their quote-unquote rebuild moves by letting Crawford walk for not wanting to spend an extra $500,000 a year and trading Brandon Saad for a bottom-pairing defenseman who's fine but does nothing helping you in a rebuild process. So I don't get it. doesn't make sense to me. And I'm Matt, very in- upset and somewhat insulted by the Blackhawks. Matt is upset, insulted, and selling all things Chicago Blackhawks. Let's go on, on a positive note here. Uh, just kind of scrolling through Twitter during that diatribe. Uh, good on Clayton Kershaw, a name that we didn't mention yep. on our uh, on our short little uh, MLB wrap-up there, who, who's just been, you know, the picture of perfection, quite literally sometimes, during the regular season, and then can't figure his left hand from his right in the postseason, I believe gives up two hits uh, throughout his six innings, seven innings last night. Mm-hmm. Been fantastic. 
Now, say what you want about there not being fans in the stands or whatever and the postseason moment being a little bit muted. But Clayton Kershaw, game one of a World Series, does his thing. And I want to go out on a positive note. And that's what I Clayton had a golf Kershaw. mailbag, though. I got a quick golf oh, mailbag, quick yeah, yeah, fashion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I keep my, forgetting Mike's, things that Mike's you been, Mike's been asking me about this one for, for a couple weeks now. Selling With, on white belts, all right, Mike? Oh, wait. Let's, well, white belts are fantastic. Let's not. White belts are awful, and you sickened me. Disagree. You, big, would, you big would not be belt. welcome at my country club. That's that's fine. You won't be that's welcome it. at mine then. Um, it's not fair. I think if you won't welcome me at yours, I'm not welcoming you at mine. Yeah, no, no, no. But like, um, but I'm creating. It's the Joe Musso Country Club. It's the oh, Joe Musso okay. Golf. Yeah, like you, Yeah. All right. Well, I just yeah. won't wear a white belt then when I go to yeah. your country club. Probably nice. It wraps around the north end of Lake Como in Italy. Okay, well then I'll definitely go. Um, <laughs> no way. The, the, through this pandemic, one of the, the 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 things people have adopted have been the the cat the, the golf gator around their neck. Yep, played and, and one Ma- yesterday. Mike wants to know if those are pandemic or not. That's something that's here to stay. The, the the casual neck gator for the round of golf because that's something that you know in a cold weather day, pandemic or not, that's not too bad to just kind of flip up over your face, keep yourself a little bit warmer. Now. I'm 100% in on it. I'm, I'm buying on it, I like as, it. As, as much as one could buy on it. I hope the Gator golf and otherwise stays in style because it's a nice little – it's, it's nice I'm, a scarf, I'm a scarf guy and it's scarf adjacent. Mm. So uh, it's, a, it's a very nice accessory. I have a – prior to the pandemic, I had a Gator, a Columbia Gator for like skiing, uh, cold weather, going to football games, whatever, a nice like thick um, – uh, fleece gator with Columbia across the mouth, really cool looking. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like that, you know, that's applicable in a couple more settings. Um, I, I'm a hundred percent in on the gator. And from a golf standpoint, like you see fishermen doing it when they're out fishing, it's for sun coverage. It's for wind coverage. It's for all the things that you're yeah. experiencing out on the water. You experience a good amount of those things in certain climates on the golf course. For as sure. Well. So protect yourself, throw it over your mouth. When you got a weirdo who's coughing in another cart, do whatever. It gives you an option. Keep it in the golf bag. And what I've found that I bought this one off of uh, Amazon. I believe the brand, uh, no free ads was mission. I think it's called, it's a okay. mission mask. And they're dry fit. They come in a million colors. You forget you have it around your neck when you don't have it pulled up over your mouth. They, they're so thin. They get the job done. They, they protect you. I'm looking at like, it right I, now. $19.99. Yeah, I have the kind of blue, the dark blue, silvery, camo-y. It, it looks fantastic. It looks fa- And, it, you know, you, you get a couple different colors. They look good with your golf get-ups. I'm 100% in on the golf game. It's another fashion accessory. We're all about fashion right. accessories. And, and you know, we course. don't get a lot of those. It's a polo, it's shorts, or it's pants. You know, you get you get to choose a cool pair of shoes, but, like, even when you're looking at, like, the fun stuff that some brands are doing from golf fashion standpoints, like, Nike's kept it pretty basic over the last, I'd say, decade here. There hasn't mm-hmm. been a lot of cool, crazy stuff other than the blade collar polo, which some people are out on anyway. Um, I, I think that, it, like you said, it's another accessory. It's another way for you to kind of express yourself out on the golf course away from just like Lululemon ABC pants and, and a Nike polo like I usually default to. Mm-hmm. Well, it's good. I, this has been... Yeah, good stuff on a gator. Good stuff on a gator. 
great mailbag question. We love that type of stuff. Keep sending them to the Moose and Runes podcast at Moose and Runes on Twitter or at either of our personals. Uh, that's me at Moose on Air. That's M Rooney twenty three. M Rooney twenty three. There you go. M Rooney twenty three. That's off the top of the dome because because I just know my my podcast partner that's like true. that. But as always, hit us on Twitter. Send us your questions. Send us your love. What you like. What you didn't like. Let, let look, us know what you think about this, this video. Swing. Exactly. Get a look at this golf swing because it is obscene. There's never been a there's never been a backswing like it. Um, and we hope you guys enjoyed that. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Moose News Podcast, episode 177. Now in the books for Matt Rooney, I am Joe Musso saying have a blessed week, and we will talk to you next week, my friends. Bear down. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.